In this final episode of 2020, the Hysterionics gang, minus our lovely Neil, we give our roundup of what 2020 has meant in terms of leadership and culture, and we share our hopes and predictions for 2021. But, in a break from the normal order, let's start with someone who is wise and inspiring. Oh, and excuse the occasional sound quality, we were all away from our usual tech. So, Kate Hughes, Chief People Officer of Covermore, uh, based in Australia. What are your reflections on 2020 as we go into the holiday season? Thanks, Tom. So um, my reflections going into the holiday season of 2020. Well, I started as the Chief People Officer of the Covermore Group, which is travel insurance uh, and um, travel assistance. Um, oh, that's funny in a global pandemic shutdown. <laughs> Our first day was 1st of February 2020. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and the global pandemic was called uh, mid-March. So I'd only been in the job six weeks. And so I, oh, I have said right from the beginning that my 90-day um, uh, uh, start plan was put in the bottom drawer within a couple of weeks of starting. And uh, it was basically roll up the sleeves and uh, work with people just to, um, to manage the crisis. So I think for us as a business, being at the front end within travel, uh, we were hit hard and fast. Um, but there's two aspects, I think, in terms of my reflections. One is we, at the, in March, really only had probably about 10% of our workforce who were able to work from home. And within two weeks, we had 100%. And I think that's no different to many other organisations in terms of um, when you have to work and act quickly, it's amazing what people can do. And I think we had our IT department, we had our HR group, we had risk and compliance, we had everybody actually just work through really quickly, what is it that needs to be done, how do we do it, and how do we do it now? And coming from, you know, organisations that can be quite bureaucratic, um, I have to say it was amazing what people can do in the face of, of adversity. So that was one reflection. I think the second reflection is... The thing about um, a crisis is there is no rule book. There was no rule book uh, for a pandemic. And in fact, one of my funny stories is um, someone, a colleague had asked me about week two or three when it started to become apparent that we were going through, you know, some times that were looking to be a bit turbulent in the travel industry, mm -hmm. um, said to me, so Kate, where's your pandemic plan? And I have to say, <laughs> I love pandemic plan? Who has a pandemic plan? And lo and behold, um, you know, three weeks later, we needed a pandemic plan. Yeah. But the interesting thing for me is, is that you can't, I call it the no plan plan, because even if we'd had a pandemic plan, I think everybody has felt that and, and experienced that even with what we had with our business continuity plan wouldn't have worked with this particular pandemic. And so you have to, you have to act, think, you have to act quickly, you have to think globally, you have to actually use, um, use skills, people's skills and experiences in ways that you wouldn't have had to before. And there is no rule book. And so for me, the reflection is that actually can be quite freeing. So in, in terms of starting a new role, um, I had the option actually and the ability to, um, to make decisions and make decisions quickly and make decisions that I wouldn't have necessarily been able to make in normal course of events. And so you actually start to see how you can change the way you think about work through a crisis, which has been 
which has been quite unique. And, and there were many moments because we had to let go of a lot of staff um, over the course of this year. But I think for me, the view was always, we have to do that. But how do you do that in a way that's caring and respectful of people in the context of a situation that nobody planned for? So as you sit back at the end of this year with a glass of wine, and I know you will be sitting with a glass <laughs> of wine because you and I have shared a few over the years. Um, you, it's a year where you've been able to reinvent things. It's the, a year where you've had more freedom than anticipated. It's a year where you've seen people come together like never before. What's that going to take into 2021? What will 2021 look like in terms of culture, leadership, organizational environment, with or without the pandemic? So I think there's two things. One of the challenges that I see for, for us as an organization and for organizations that have been hit hard um, by the pandemic is how do you balance that sense of we still need to create a sustainable business and the longer the pandemic goes on for, you know, that, you know, the harder it is to see when, when's travel going to start to resume. So when does, you know, your revenue get back to normal? When do, when do you become a profitable business? Um, so you have to think around that notion of cost and, and, and how, do you, how do you be sustainable in that, in that context? At the same time, how do you give people a sense of hope and that there, there is um, a future to belong to? Because yeah. one of the things I think about 2020 has been, you know, that the, the notion of we survived 2020. And, you know, for me, 21 is, this is beyond survival, right? We're coming, we're going to come out the other side. And so how do you create a culture where people, they do need to be mindful of how we run the business. Um, but then how do you, how do you create a sense of I want to be a part of this? Because for many um, people in our business, they're what I would call industry neutral. Yep. So it's not like they only can they only just stay to the travel industry. So why would you want to stay and be a part of Covermore? And um, when when it does feel sometimes that the future is unclear, at the same time. Um, that there, that there may be security, feel, feel it might be secure elsewhere. And so for me, the culture is about being really clear about the strategic direction. And we've spent quite a bit of time on that. So what are the few things that we're investing in? And we are going to do that and do that well. And then what makes us um, unique as a company? And the, the change for us has been around the fact that up until now, it's been, Covermore has been a lot of different entities across the world. And we're looking at how do we create that sense of more a unified organisation with uh, unique businesses that, um, that meet the needs of our customers. So creating that sense of this is who we are and this is why we're in the business of what we do, even when the business um, is going through some turbulent times, um, there are ways that you can get people excited about being here. And that's what the challenge will be. And, and we're working towards that. Absolutely brilliant. Kate, thank you so much indeed. No problem. So, as we come to the end of uh, 2020, which feels like it's been going on since 1842, uh, I thought we'd all get together, all your Hysterionics podcast chums, 
and talk about our plans for the new year and our reflections on this year. Except for Neil got the week wrong. So it's Dr. Keith, myself and Clancy. Uh, I'm in the cupboard in France, as usual. I'm not going to tell you where Dr. Keith is because we'll all be jealous. And Clancy, where are you? I'm in rainy Hampshire this morning, Tom. I got my good friend, uh, Kate Hughes, to talk to us in the opening segment because of all the people that I know, she is the one that's probably had the most COVID-relevant or impacted job. That's not to diminish any other person's impact uh, by COVID, uh, but she works in the travel industry, travel insurance, and she took the job three weeks or six weeks before COVID went nuclear. What did you guys think of what Kate had to say? I thought it was a really interesting conversation, Tom. Um, I, you, you could almost sense the, the relief that she'd gotten to the end of the year in her voice. Um, but I think some of the, the key messages that I took away were about how the business had been able to become really agile really quickly as a result of needing to. So this, this forced move home and this, um, this, this shift into a different way of being and a different way of working is something they've had to uh, respond to. Um, and so one of the things that it, it sounded like she'd valued from the experience was the, the freedom of being able to make quite quick decisions and be able to almost radically change the business as, as, a, result of this, uh, as a result of the situation they found themselves in in March. Yeah, I think agility was a big part of it. Clance, what did you think? You're in a similar role. Uh, yeah, and I, I love the bit at the end where she talked about it being, as, as you said there, Keith, quite liberating. And uh, that actually starting a new role in that context is, you know, no one does that. And, and yet that's what she had to do. And, and the fact that she found her feet and was able to, she talked about making decisions really quickly, just getting on and doing things. And, and that felt very liberating. My reflection listening to her was, gosh, that was very courageous too. So I'm, I'm, one of the things I took away from what she spoke about was, yes, there was a quick shift to work from home. From her point of view, it was liberating. She could make decisions and get on and do things. But I was left with a feeling of, wow, you, you have a lot of courage. And you know, I sort of take my hat off to you that in a brand new role with a brand new team in this horrible context, you had the courage to make the decisions you needed to make and, and to keep moving forward. So I think that was one of my takeaways too. Yeah, and the agility thing, when Kate was describing it, so in the last few weeks, I felt a bit like, when is this thing ever going to end? And I know I've said this before, but it reminds me as a kid growing up in the Lake District, climbing hills, and you get to the top of the hill, and you, you know, your parents say, look, we're almost there. And you get to the top of the hill, and there was another bastard hill after it. And you get to the top of that hill, and there was another bloody hill after that one. And so the agility thing, you know, makes me think of resilience. It makes me think of a previous life I worked with in corporate world, Dame Ellen MacArthur, the, the, the yachtswoman. And she would describe, you know, three hours on, three hours off, three hours on, three hours off to make sure that you kept, kept going. And I feel it's a bit like that. You know, how do we work in a way where we've got three days on, two days off? How do we delegate to people so that other people can take up the, the slack? And what, one of the many things I loved about what Kate said is that sense of team, that sense of community, that sense of pulling together really shone through didn't it there was this thing about you know because they all now had this common purpose we all needed to get through this and despite you know she talked about having to let a lot of people go which is really hard that team 
community spirit endured and I think that that was that was probably a theme that I've seen where I work as well we haven't had to do the same as she's done we're in a very different industry but that we've talked for so long about purpose and having I know. a core purpose and we've talked about it in the through the lens of you know financial purpose and shareholder purpose and we all know that's wrong but that really is where the minds of leaders often go and what she was talking about was no it's a sense of community and that created purpose and that was really powerful so that that was a great message too and i think that what she also did in that was uh talk to the fact that it's really important for them to remind people of what their deal is as an employer you know, th- this is why you need to come and work for us. I know we're in possibly the most challenged industry due to COVID and the future is certainly uncertain, but actually there is a reason to come and work for us. And, and this is what we offer you and this is what our proposition is. So it, I felt, without sounding self-congratulatory, plants, I felt like a lot of the common themes in the podcast throughout the year around purpose and community and reminding people why you exist and involving people in your purpose was crystallized by what Kate managed to say in under six minutes. And also that great podcast you did with Neil uh, around the employee experience, that, that really great conversation about it is about employee experience and that really matters. You know, that, that, was, that was pretty on point, wasn't it? What was interesting about Kate's thoughts for next year was around this recognition that the people that she's working with, while they've got this community and they feel like they're part of this team, um, they're actually industry agnostic. So they, if there are better terms and better conditions and, and whatever elsewhere, then they're not going to stick to the travel industry because their skills um, in, in insurance or in, uh, in any, any of their, their functional areas can, can transfer quite easily. So I think what will be interesting to, would be to hear back from Kate in a few months' time or in this time next year and say, how have you managed to do that in kind of setting up your 2021 to ensure that people have got this reason to stay with us and this, this purpose to, um, to contribute to these new strategic directions? I think the, the, the way to navigate that would all be around how we involve people in the decision-making. So making sure that people feel like they're being heard making sure that they feel like they're able to contribute to, to shape, to own these, this, um, this direction they're going to take next. Keith, as an academic, how do you think 2021 is going to start shaping the workplace? Because, and then Clancy, I'd love your view as, as a practitioner. How do you think it's going to start shaping the workplace in terms of this need to be agile, but re- retain our resilience? Um, I think what we've seen this year, the, the real value that most organisations who've done this well um, have been able to take away from this year is that we can be more outcomes driven and we can be more purposeful in what we do. And the physical location that we're in um, and the number of hours that we're pulling and the, the visibility that we have of each other in, in a building is not as important. I think we are at the point now where we've stopped talking about what's going to happen when we go back to normal um, because the shift that we've had to cope with in this last year um, has meant that we've, we've recognised the value in this new way of doing things and so I, I think it would be folly for us to revert to where we were when actually what we could do is harness the best bits of, of our new environment and our new way of being um, and then build on that and maybe bring in some, some old time stuff as well. Um, but it's, uh, it's about creating an environment which harnesses the best of both, I think. I, I agree. Clancy, what do you think? What, how are you preparing for 
2021, building on what Keith said. I think uh, you've made a really good point there, Keith, which is about being and not doing. And I, my reflection has been, I mean, in, in a number of my previous roles, we've talked about uh, making people more resilient uh, or becoming more agile. So sort of doing. And actually, I think what we have realised, and I have certainly personally realised through this pandemic, is that you are agile or you are resilient. You don't have it done to you. And that feeling of we are able to be agile, we are able to be resilient, we are able to be flexible, to your point, Keithy, why do I need to be in an office? It is becoming people's personal choice. And I think that's a lot more powerful than the organisation trying to do it. It's more, it's more pulled and push. So I think I've got quite a good reflection on... As we go into 2021, it is, there is no doubt our working practices will change. And I think that's a good thing. At Unilever, we're talking yesterday and today about moving to a four-day week. Uh, now, I haven't really seen the ins and outs of does that mean they just want people in the office four days and, and not on the fifth or, or what that means. But that's a huge statement, isn't it? And I think I'm trying to take from a lot of what we've learned this key theme of our people want to be agile they don't want agile done to them they want to be resilient they don't want resilience done to them and actually the pandemic is giving them a little bit more of the courage of their own convictions that they can do this supported by the business not the business will do that to them and they'll resist or join in um, as they decide to so this whole thing about being not doing uh, that's a huge theme for me in 2021 i think that underpins a lot of the diversity and inclusion agenda as well with, with, with making a shift that way uh, because it's about being the person you want to be as opposed to having it done to you so that that being and doing thing is quite big for me i think for this year i think if i combine what you two have just said plus what was at the heart of a lot of kate's insight this sense of deal with uh, colleagues i th- hope as this goes on and on and on 2021 consolidates a, a move towards adult adult relationships between colleagues and organizations in which colleagues there is a there is a sense of deal cemented through communication and dialogue which allows colleagues to manage their life and manage their work responsibilities in an environment of trust in a way that works for all parties. Yeah, I think it's quite exciting because I think if we've got, like like with Kate's example, um, 100% of the business is now working from home and they've been doing that successfully. And obviously it's it's a different environment in terms of the work they're doing um, because of how travel's been affected. But if we think we're starting from that position where everyone can do their work from home completely, then it's now incumbent on the business to create the opportunities for people to come in for value-add experiences. So don't just come and sit at your desk like you used to do, because you can sit at your desk at home and work just as efficiently there. So now, what does 2021 look like? Maybe it needs to look like, well, we need to create these experiences for people to come on, to collaborate, to, um, and to work together. In, in specific time-limited events rather than just being there for 40 hours a week next to each other. But I think what's growing from that as well is, and, and we all had an inkling about this previously, but it, it was seen as a little bit of a slideshow. The informal networks are super important in an organisation, not just the formal ones that we like to create with our organisation charts and hierarchy maps, and that the, our ability as organisations to support those informal networks for our advantage and that of our, our colleagues whilst still choosing to uh, work in a location which might not be in an office where you bump into someone at the coffee machine, I think that's going to be really important as well because I mean, I, I'm knowing 
from I mean, my organization is slightly different we have uh, about 60 percent of our colleagues work in uh, a manufacturing facility and so they can't work from home not because of what we do but of, of those people what we're even noticing there is the informal networks have played such a strong role so how do we encourage those to flourish and for those people who can work from home and probably will be working from home now who are office-based how do we uh, encourage that to flourish when they're working remotely and I think those things are really important too. And my, my key observation on that Clancy is that is going to require a level of leadership capability and leadership uh, investment in leadership development like we've never seen before because to manage in that environment which is more fluid which is more agile without the safety blanket or comfort zones of a physical environment uh, one in which you need to build greater levels of trust, more one-to-one -one relationships, and ensure that there is open dialogue in all directions at all times. That is really exemplary leadership, and I think too many people are lacking in it, if I'm really honest. And do you know what? It's, it's wrong to assume everyone can do all of that. And we've actually started some work in the background, which we, we won't roll out across the business for a while. It's, it's a little bit radical by looking at our leadership team and saying, actually, we've got three types of leaders here. We've got the all-round leader you've just been talking about who can do that and has the skill and ability and, and desire to do it. You've then got subject matter experts. And we, we shouldn't pretend that many of those can also be the first one, but they are super important to us. They might be a chemist or someone with deep knowledge of a manufacturing process, but they happen to be very senior. Let's not make the confusion that because you're really senior, you have to be the first one. And then you've got your professionals, you know, people who have a very transferable skill. Kate was talking about those, like, you know, I could work in any industry. And, and some of those people may also be in the first category of all-round leadership, but they might not. But all three of those are important in the organisation. I think we have made a mistake of putting everyone together. If you're senior, you have to be um, you know, at least the first one and probably one of the other two. And, and we've started to split it out. And Tom, it reminds me of work we did at Deloitte in the 90s, which was looking the same with technical partners, and an equity yeah. all around and, and we're going back to that map and and redrawing that and i think that will be super valuable because you're right there's a particular type of leadership that will support what we're now looking at as as a whole as organizations globally but we shouldn't pretend that everybody in a senior role can do it dr keith you develop the leaders of the future um what do you tell them what do you want to tell them about how to prepare themselves for the world we're moving into? I think tr trust is, is the big thing because I think where Clancy's talking there about working at, at, the, at the senior level, we're, we're setting the agenda up there and we are, um, we're demonstrating the principles or the practices that we want everybody who falls underneath us to, um, to be able to adopt. And I think she's right because you, if you don't set it up right there, then um, everybody else is just looking up to that and, and not, um, not able to navigate their own environments. I did, I did some work a few years ago with um, a, a, a big sales firm. And so they were all working remotely, all of their, their salespeople in the field. And there were one team where there was really poor engagement. And they were the team that on, had a, a quarter to five call on a Friday afternoon um, to talk about the week and to set objectives for next week. And so the, their kind of regional leader um, hadn't recognized the, the impact of that call on those people. They all felt they were being checked in on and they were, they were having to answer to mum and all of this sort of kind of imagery. Um, when actually he wanted to be able to sort of set their, set, set their agenda for the coming week and kind of engage them and infuse them. 
So it's about recognizing that there are different ways of doing things. And unless we can see that mapped out for us and we can see that people have trusted and, and enabled, um, then it, it's really difficult to do. And, and I think listening to what you've just said at the core of it, um, again, getting a huge value for money out of Kate's contribution, uh, what's missing in that scenario is appreciation for humanity and people as people rather than people as employees. And uh, I think, again, one of the great things that 2020 has brought, along with all its many challenges, is we have started to really bring true humanity into the workplace and think about uh, people as people and not people as employees. And, and I want us to do more of that uh, as we move forward. The starkest example I can think of of that is, do you remember that video on um, the internet a couple of years ago where the guy was being um, interviewed by BBC and the, the <laughs> child roams into the background and he's like, oh, get her out, get her out. It's hilarious. Yeah. Whereas, so that was Headlines. a video conferencing then, whereas now everyone has seen everyone's back room, um, everyone's seen... Um, it, everything that's going on in, in their home environment and the kind of the, this recognition that I am a person, I've got a house, I've got a, an ugly painting behind me or whatever. Yeah, um, the cat then it, my lap during Zoom calls, yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did, I did a, a, conversa a Zoom conversation with a team I'd been working with and the members of their board last week and it coincided with dog dinner time and in the end, so the dogs are like, you know, for half an hour before the dinner time, they're like, I just need to tell you it's almost dinner time. No, I, I really need to tell you it's almost dinner time. And Bobo, in the end, decided he was just going to plonk himself in the middle of the Zoom. And I was absolutely mortified, but the chief executive said, what a wonderful, gorgeous dog. And Bobo was made up, and I was completely relieved. So what are you, what are you guys going to do to uh, draw an end to 2020 and uh, ease in 2021? Keith, you can go first because you've drawn a lovely end to your year sitting in the sunshine. Oh, don't drop him in it. <laughs> it's true, yeah. So I'm currently sat in the sunshine reflecting on my last year, I think, yeah. Um, one of the things that we've done as a leadership team um, is we've written reflective statements to go to, um, to the Executive D. Um, and we're going to have a, like a, a download conversation about them all in January, all about what, what the year's been like for us, what we've done well, what we haven't done well uh, as an organisation, but then um, personally, um, to then start to think about how we can harness what we've learned and then improve moving forward. So that's what I'm, while I'm sat laid back drinking cocktails in the sun, that's um, what is going through the back of my mind, kind of taking on board, take, taking stock of, of what I've learned this year. I was just talking about getting pissed. Anyway. <laughs> Clancy, what are you doing to sign off 2020, 2020 and ease yourself into 2021? Does it involve gin? It, it definitely involves... I wish, I wish I was you, Keith, actually. That sounds terribly... Uh, both a very worthwhile... You wish we were Keith, because he's young and handsome. I know. I don't like you anymore, actually. I think I'm... Like <laughs> he's also I'm getting booted I... off stereonics. Yes, you are. You are going to get booted off, Keith. Um, I was hoping for some sleep um, and some, a couple of uninterrupted days where I could catch up with myself. I don't think I've had a more challenging year ever, and I won't be alone in saying that. And actually, what you've just reminded me, Keith, is I do need at some point to sit and reflect, and I haven't done it yet. 
but I think I probably need a bit more gin and a bit more sleep before I, I feel in the right frame of mind to do it because there is a danger that you just become very run down. Um, uh, I suspect I'm a little bit in that place at the moment, not just from work. No, I think between Christmas and New Year, I will do some reflection. I, I'm hoping what it will throw up is a reminder of the things that went well and actually had a very good session with our chairman a week ago doing that with him and reflecting on his other companies and where our business had done well in terms of people and, and where perhaps other businesses had lessons we could learn. So that, that was useful. I think I need to do that for myself. Uh, I also need to reset for next year because to your point, Tom, this has become an ultra marathon. Yeah, we yes. thought we started in March thinking it was a sprint. It's not, it's the biggest marathon we've ever run. And that requirement to recharge and reset is we're going to be in this for at least another six months. And that's very mentally draining facing that. And, and the thought of, oh my goodness, yeah, what are we going to do next? So I think I, I need time to recharge and reset, reflect on what went well and plan for next year as, as a personal plan. Um, and then you know, I've, I've got the business plan that, that was all drafted before I finished work. But I think the personal plan of how, how am I going to get through this? Because it's become the biggest ultra marathon ever. It's the marathon des sables of professional work, I think. Mm. That's interesting. I find the reflective piece to be really quite cathartic. Because I got to the middle of December and I was I was shattered like like everybody, and so then to actually sit and to download all of this stuff to just to dump it all on a page, it's it's really it's been really quite freeing. I'm scared to go there. I tell you why because I do think it's kind of the marathon thing. If you start when you do running and my knees don't allow me to anymore, you it's like if you overthink how far you've got to go it's very defeating. And so whilst I want to recharge physically and mentally, and I'll do that with dog walks and catching up on sleep and films and hibernating, basically, I don't want to over reflect on the year because then I'll start to think I'll take the lid off. So I, I just want to be careful with that. And, and I suppose what you remind us, Pansy, is that in that marathon, we do need to be good about asking for help and asking for support and I'm very happy to give support and help to others, but I'm really rubbish at asking for it myself. So I, I think that's probably something I need to learn to do in 2021. That's a very personal reflection. See, I have reflected. I'm talking rubbish. Very good. <laughs> um, I'm going to go to a Christmas lunch with my husband. It'll be the two of us and the lovely lady that helps us. Thank you. Uh, both and thank you to Neil who couldn't make it this morning for being such supports and good fun as we've gone through the year delivering our hysterionics thoughts and uh, podcasts we will definitely be back in the new year uh, with uh, some new thoughts new contents new guests thank you to every guest who's participated this year and made such a difference and I suppose all it leaves me to say is be safe enjoy reflect or don't reflect but definitely recharge thank you tom it's been a joy doing the podcast through this year it's been one of the highlights so um, i'm looking forward to next year absolutely thank you both for allowing me to join in it's all good fun not at all see you soon bye